There's an Advent conspiracy book that some of the, the founders or you know, some of those first pastors uh, have written uh, that I'll be using as a resource for this series. Uh, and here's the first line of the book, or at least the chapter that I'll, I'll be, uh, that, that uh, guides our theme for today. Uh, it goes like this, our hearts are formed by what we worship. Our hearts are formed by what we worship. They go on to say, excitement, anticipation, hope. Each of these emotions swells around the object of our dearest affection. We spend our time and our energy on what matters most to us. Which reminds me of author James K.A. Smith, who takes this idea of our hearts being formed by what we worship just a little bit further. And he says, we are what we want. We are what we want. Uh, Essentially, we become what we desire. We become what we worship. Whatever we're worshiping forms us. Our hearts are formed by what we worship. And we all worship things. We all worship things. We do, all the time, without fail. Maybe it's God. In our best of moments, it's God, and that's fantastic, but maybe it's other things or people. Uh, we, but we worship something. To worship is to ascribe worth to something, to declare it valuable and worthy of our time and attention, and we all do that all the time. But we must understand and remember that worship is never neutral. It never leaves us stagnant. Worship always does something. It's impossible to just worship something or someone and then walk away unscathed or unchanged. Impossible. When we worship, it forms us. We become different people. Worship of anything or anyone forms us. It creates us into something different, for better or for worse. Hopefully, for better. The things that we want, the desires of our heart, the thing that gets our attention, the thing we deem valuable enough to spend time, energy, money, and love on, it never leaves us unaltered. It always changes us. Uh, As James Smith says, you are what you love. We become the thing that we love. It forms us. So the appropriate place to begin this Advent conspiracy journey then is by addressing what we love. What, what do or will we worship during Advent? We will worship something. We will spend the next month worshiping something. What will that be? Now, of course, we want to say God or Jesus. That's the great Sunday school answer here. And, and that's what we're aiming for. That is the goal. Uh, but do our Advent actions, how we spend our time, our energy, and our money, actually testify or prove that we really do worship God? We might say it with our mouths, but do our actions back up the fact that we actually are worshiping God during this Advent season? Do we say with our mouths that Jesus is the reason for the season, but actually live as if other things are the reason for the season? As if shopping and activities and vacation and presents and all sorts of other things 
are our actual reasons for the season. And when all those other things take priority over Jesus, that forms us. When, when we choose to make all the other things during this chaotic, busy, hectic Christmas season, when those things take precedence, those, th- those things take priority over God in this season, that forms us, it shapes us, it changes us in all the wrong ways. Uh, the, the book here says, Rick McKinley says this, the, the heart of what we're truly searching for, hope, peace, love, rest, worship, is buried in the seasonal chaos. This season can bury all of the things that we're actually longing for in this season. Each step we take toward an overstuffed schedule and an overextended budget is one step further away from the nativity. I think that's, that's beautiful uh, prose, but it, it's uh, a, a tragic truth far too often, that the things that we actually value about the Advent and Christmas season can so easily get buried uh, under the chaos and calamity of the Christmas season. And every step uh, down that path is one step further away from the nativity. If we want to make Christmas meaningful again, it has to start with worship with getting our priorities right, with ascribing worship and value to the proper places, to God and his incarnate son. The the season of Advent, the beginning of the Christmas season, should immediately send us into a spirit of worship. Like Advent Sunday or maybe maybe Thanksgiving dinner is over and, and the lights go up, immediately the first thought in our minds should be worship. Uh, it, it should send us to a place of worship. If we want to make Christmas meaningful again, it has to start there with getting our priorities right, with ascribing worship and value, worth and value, to, to all the proper places, to God and his incarnate son. The season of Advent, the beginning of the Christmas season, should send us into a spirit of worship. We, sh- we shouldn't hit the mall we should hit our knees in awe and gratitude that the God of the universe would humble himself and become a human and a baby at that to be with his people and to save the whole world. It's a beautiful story. And it's one where the proper response, the first and fundamental response to starting to think about the Advent story, the Christmas story, should just be worship. We should just stand in awe that the God of the universe would bother with us at all, let alone send his son to be here with us and to save us. Our Advent invitation is to worship fully, to worship God fully. Now, there are a number of characters in the Christmas story who beautifully exhibit worshiping fully. We, we could go through a whole laundry list of people that show up in the Christmas story who are beautiful worshipers, who worship fully, uh, including the shepherds and the wise men. But the greatest example of worship, I think, comes from Mary. She's, she's the full worshiper in the story, in the midst of Mary's personal advent, she is experiencing her own advent in a way that none of us will ever know. She, 
She's literally waiting for the Messiah to arrive. She is carrying God into the world and can't wait for God to arrive. She's in the midst of her personal advent, longing for the Savior to be birthed into the world. Her initial and foundational response is worship. It's to worship God. And it comes out in beautiful poetry, what we know as the Magnificat, Mary's song. Uh, and it, it's, it's just worth reading. Uh, and I'm going to read it in a number of different locations. Uh, this is from the NIV. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. That's beautiful in that version. It's beautiful in every version. But the, the book that I'm using as a resource, uh, it included... It included the Magnificat in a translation of the Bible that I'd actually never even heard of. Uh, maybe it's more of a paraphrase, uh, but, but I'd never heard of it. They included a, a version uh, from what's called The Voice, and I'll, I'll need to go look it up because what they included and what I was kind of looking at in various other places, it's, it's beautiful, but, but uh, the, the Voice's version is a really beautiful version of Mary's song. And as I was reading it, it prompted my mind to race in a million different places and my pen to furiously scribble notes in the margin of my book. My book is a mess after reading this. I'm just writing notes down line after line. It's, it's so beautiful and thought-provoking. So here's how Mary's song reads in, in this other translation, in, in The Voice. And it's going to be up on the screen. My soul lifts up the Lord. My spirit celebrates God, my liberator. I can just imagine that Mary would be freaked out being pregnant. You can imagine the emotions that she's feeling. But her response is one of bold worship. She puts God first because she understands that the main thing her people have waited for for years and years and years is finally happening. Salvation is coming. Liberation is here. Uh, and I love the word liberator here because man, we need liberation during this season that too often enslaves this this season can trap us. It can enslave us. We, we, be, we become addicted to its power. Uh, and, and so may Mary's song remind us that during this time that tends to hold us captive, Jesus came to bring freedom. Uh, and it goes on. For though I'm God's humble servant... God has noticed me. During a season where we long for connection, where we long to be with people and to feel noticed, and, and where we too often feel lonely and isolated, may Mary's song remind us that God notices us regardless of our station in society. Uh, 
Uh, and it, it goes on, now and forever, I will be considered blessed by all generations, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is God's name. During a season where we long for good things to happen and good gifts to be given and blessings to arrive, Mary's song reminds us that we are already blessed by God, regardless of how this holiday season turns out. Uh, She continues, from generation to generation, God's loving kindness endures for those who revere him. During a season where people literally trample each other to buy things that they don't need, Mary's song declares that God's primary characteristic is loving kindness, a, a goodness and love and generosity that goes above and beyond any expectations. Uh, And then finally, God's arm has accomplished mighty deeds. The proud in mind and heart God has sent away in disarray. The rulers from their high positions of power God has brought down low. And those who were humble and lowly God has elevated with dignity. The hungry God has filled with fine food. The rich God has dismissed with nothing in their hands. This God doesn't care about money or stuff or power or position. That, all the things that we too often get sucked into in this season, our God has no concern for those things. He is leveling the playing field for everyone. He's making things right. He's saving the whole world. And Mary's response to the whole thing is praise and worship And it's the proper response. It's the proper first response. So, may our Advent posture be the same as Mary's, total and complete worship of our God. The Advent story, the story of the God of the universe humbly entering the world to love the world and save the world, is the most incredible story in history but it's way too good and way too beautiful and way too powerful and life-altering for us to enter the narrative and not be changed by it, to let anything else become the thing that's forming our hearts. This is the story that should form our hearts. This is the thing that should alter us. It's way too good to spend any amount of time worshiping anything but God. So this year... Let's make this the best Christmas ever. By entering the story fully, by worshiping God fully, and by allowing our hearts to be formed by our full worship of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so very much for your kindness, for your generosity, for your love, for your willingness to come here to this place to humble yourself and become human, to become a baby. God, I pray that our response during this Advent season would be the proper one, one of awe, one of worship, one of hitting our knees in praise for you who would come to our world to save. Would we be able to worship fully as our primary posture in this Advent season? Would we lay aside all the other desires? Would everything else come second to us focusing our hearts 
and our minds, our bodies, our paychecks, our wallets, our credit cards on you first and foremost. You come first in this Advent season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.